Well, good morning. Glad you are able to join us this morning on uh, our Sunday morning service from the River Christian Fellowship as we all continue in the lockdown mode. Well, we want once again to remind you that um, God's word transcends the miles. Prayer transcends borders. And so we know that even though we're not maybe in the same room together in spirit, and I believe through the modern developments that we have, we can be as close as we possibly can be. And that's a good thing. So let's just open in prayer this morning. And then we're going to go to God's word in the book of Genesis chapter 19. We started the first half last week and we're going to finish it this week. So let's pray. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name when we just ask you to bless this time we have together. Lord, as we study your word together, may we understand the days that we're in, why it's important that we know your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we remember last week we started off in Genesis chapter 19. And this is where God had warned uh, the uh Abraham, that he was going to destroy the city of Sodom and Gomorrah because of their homosexual practices. And we remember the two angels came to Lot's house and they were going to stay in the city square, if you will. Uh, but Lot said, no, don't do that. And so he begged them to come and stay in his house. So that's exactly what they did. Well, it just so happens that all the men of the city, the Bible says young and old, so it shows there was no real age variation because everybody had corrupted themselves, came and they said, bring those two men out that came to you. We want to know them sexually. And we remember Lot said, don't do so wickedly. Here, take my daughters who have never known a man. Do with them as you want. Well, as we said last week, thanks, Dad. Just goes to show that um, the corruption, the the moral degradation that was in the city of Sodom also was in, it, affecting Lot's judgment that you would turn your two daughters over to a crazy mob. Well, again, the Bible says that Lot was pulled inside of his house and the angels, the two that were there, smote the people outside with blindness. And it says that they wearied themselves groping for the door. Now, these guys were uh, determined to sin. It's always a bad thing when we find ourselves in that contrary place concerning our relationship with God. Well, these guys, of course, didn't really have a relationship with God. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. But Lot still was in with them living in their city. The angels told them, get out and go to the mountains. Well, Lot was afraid of that. He said, well, how about if I go to this little town, Zoar? It's not a very big place. How about if I go there? So they said, okay. Well, we remember early in the morning, they grabbed hands with them and literally pulled them out of the city. Now, something interesting to remember is at the time when Abraham and Lot parted their ways, they both were very, very wealthy people. And that's why they had to part their ways. There wasn't enough area, enough water for all their herds and cattle and flocks to feed from. So Lot picked towards Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says at that time, it was like the Lord's garden, a well-watered garden. And so he went and went that direction. Well, now we find the end of Sodom. 
in Gomorrah. And here it says they're escaping really with just the clothes on their back. All the stuff that Lot had accumulated over a period of his life was lost in the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God told them, don't look back, just keep running. And so they did, except the Bible says, Lot's wife turned around, looked back, and God turned her into a pillar of salt. Well, that's a weird judgment. But what's really strange is sometimes you can take people out of sin, but you can't take the sin out of people. This was also the problem with uh, the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And they always kept blaming Moses, and they wanted to go back to Egypt. You see, physically, they left Egypt under Moses' guidance. But spiritually, they were still in Egypt. Well, spiritually, Lot's wife was still in Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, here's the problem. It is used as an example in Luke 17.32. And in 17.32... It's talking about how the pending judgment of God in the last days would be. And then Jesus had this really short verse. And you can remember this verse today. Uh, you'll, you'll learn a memory verse today. Remember Lot's wife. Funny Jesus would reference her, but he does. I think it's a good warning for all of us as well. Remember Lot's wife. Though physically she moved out of Sodom and Gomorrah, her heart was still there and it paralyzed her. It it killed her. And I believe it's the same thing that can happen today. I think that sometimes, though Lot, the Bible says, was a noble man in the New Testament, still he was vexed by the sins of the people around him, and it began to affect his judgment in offering his daughters to the angry mob. So a lot of times we don't think about things like that. We think that, well, you know, I can be around my worldly friends, I can be around a a worldly environment, not realizing that it does have an effect on us. It it affects the way we think, It, it affects the way we look at one another, it affects our politics, it affects our, our, our thinking. And so I really believe that this is why the Bible gives us this compulsion to be around people who love God. Because if we don't, then we're going to find ourselves adapting the bad thinking that they have into our own life. And that's never going to turn out good. So as we, again, looked at this story, Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt. And they ran, and they went to Zoar, this little town. Now, the angels told them to go to the mountains, but instead they went to Zoar. So this is where we're going to pick up our story this morning, here in Genesis 19.30. Then Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in in the mountains, and his two daughters who were with him. For he was afraid to dwell in Zoar, and he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. Um, Probably the rent was low. Um, But what was strange is he was afraid to stay in Zoar. 
I've read a lot of speculation in different Bible commentaries, and I always recommend Bible com- commentaries to everyone. There's some really good ones out there. There's Matthew Henry. There's David Gusick's. There's Chuck Smith's. There's um, many other ones that are there that you can look at. Kind of gives you a better idea, feel of maybe what was going on. No one really knows why Lot was afraid to stay in Zoar. Some people believe that it may very well be that the people of Zoar indirectly blame Lot for the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he became more and more edgy. Some people believe that he was scared to stay in Zoar because of their sin, for fear of what God did to Sodom and Gomorrah, he would soon do to them. Some people believe many different things about why he was afraid. But I know one thing, when you're afraid, you don't function properly. I've shared this many times in my life that all the decisions that I've ever really regretted in my life were made out of fear. And you'll find that true, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but boldness and of a sound mind. So if you find yourself making decisions out of fear, you're going to find yourself led by your emotions. Now, are emotions wrong? Are our feelings wrong? No, not really. Somebody said one time, our feelings are neither right nor wrong. They're just there. The problem is, if that's all you're going by for guidance for your life or decision-making, you're going to find yourself always misled because our feelings are fickle. Our emotions are not reliable. I think we've all experienced this. You might, when you were dating, you might have met somebody, you thought they were the most wonderful person in the world, and oh, you you just couldn't wait to go out with them on that Friday night. And by the end of the day, you couldn't wait to go home. Why? Your emotions lied to you. Your emotions were telling you at the first part of the date, this you you've arrived, this is it. And just a few hours later, you wanted to just run as fast as you could. Well, that's the way it is in a lot of things. Think about the decisions that we've all made based upon emotions. Maybe buying a car or buying something in a store, compulsive buying it's called. Well, that's based upon your emotions, your feelings. But again, those things are not reliable. I found it's always a good thing before we make any purchases, make any big decisions, business decisions, pray. And then the other thing I would say is pray and give God time to work out the details. I know it's pretty bad that when we're standing there at the checkout counter, after we've waited in line, maybe five or six people deep, and we get up there, and we think, you know what? God, maybe I shouldn't be buying this thing. As they slide the paper for you to sign, as you just put it on your credit card. I, I really believe that it's good to wait on the Lord. The Bible says, they that wait on the Lord renew their strength. They mount up with wings as eagles. They run. They don't get weary. They walk and they don't faint. Well, why is that? Because a lot of times we live our life in regret. That's the wish of would I wish I'd done this. Wish I'd have done that. Oh, if I knew how that was going to turn out, I would have never done that. How many times have we all said that? Well, there's a reason why. Because the information that we were using to bring us to the conclusion of the actions that we took was wrong. In other words, if we could have went and prayed and God could have said to us, hey, I got another one for you, a better deal. Or you don't really need that. What would you use that for? 
or something else. Hey, listen, yard sales are full of compulsive buying because people thought they needed it and they did it. Well, again, this is why we want to be careful of being led by our emotions. Lot was fearful to stay in Zoar. He, he took his daughters and they got out. Now, when we find, as we, as we continue to look here, we, we find that even though Lot had left Sodom and Gomorrah, as we talked about earlier, and his daughters, a lot of Sodom and Gomorrah didn't leave them, as we're going to see here. Now, it says, he dwelt in the cave with his two daughters. Now, the firstborn said to the younger, these are the two daughters talking together. Our father is old, and there is no man on earth to come into us as the custom of all the earth. Now, this is rather unusual that this remark was said, because they had just left the city of Zoar. Now, as we would look at this, you would think, well, isn't there some guys in the city of Zoar that you would have wanted to go out with? But for whatever reason... These two girls, these two daughters of Lot said, there's no other man in the world. Now, some people have said, well, they just simply thought the whole world was destroyed. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. The whole world was. Well, that's not true because they just got done living in this town of Zoar. So they knew that wasn't true. So there was something else going on here. They hatched an evil plan. And so it says... Come, let us make our father drink wine. In other words, get him good and drunk. And we will lie with him that we may preserve the lineage of our fathers. You know, there's a lot of ideas, thoughts, and schemes that I think all of us have thought of. That's why the Bible says to bring every thought to the mind of Christ. By the way, that's what prayer is. You know, God had this idea What do you think of it? And you pray about it. And then God begins to, in our subconscious, sometimes through friends, even through a word of knowledge, through a brother or sister in the Lord, give us that information that we need so we don't act impulsively upon an idea. Hey, uh, there's no more men on the earth for us. And so therefore, let's get our dad drunk and we'll sleep with him. Pretty weird. You see... This was an idea, I believe, in the cultural degradation that was in Sodom and Gomorrah in them. Now, the Bible says that Lot was a a person of good character. The Bible says that. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't do some dumb things. But we don't find any comments on his daughters. They were led out of the city by Lot and the angels. And even their own mother turned and looked behind. So what that tells me is the ideas that they came up with, without a relationship with God, they begin to act upon impulse. Now, you say, well, where are we going with this? Simple this. Today, tomorrow, this week, however the Lord long tarries before he comes and takes us home, we are all going to be faced with decisions. That's why the Bible says to pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean you drag a little porta bed along with you and stay in the kneel position. But what it means is that we will go and we will 
take these ideas and thoughts to God. You know, again, as we go back earlier, Abraham was promised a child from his wife. Well, Sarah said, I don't see how that can be. I'm way past the age of bearing children. Here, take my handmaiden, Hagar, and have a child with her. That's pretty weird. By the way, there's no place where Abraham argued about that. And so anyway, Ishmael was born, the father of the Arab world. Not the Muslim world. Very important to understand the Islamic faith did not come along till six after 600 A.D. 600 years after Christianity is when Islam was formed. So when people attribute Islam to solely the Arab race, that's a falsism because the Arabs existed thousands of years before Islam ever came along. And I think that's a really important thing to always understand. But the thing is, the idea was, hey, we'll take matters into our own hands. We'll have a child with the handmaiden rather than Sarah. And God said, no, it's through Sarah you're going to have. And supernaturally, she conceived and bore Isaac. His name means laughter. Now, again, think of in your own life. How many times you've acted compulsively to do something and you went, oh, that was the wrong decision. Some of you might even be thinking about your marriage. Some of you might even be thinking about your careers. Some may be thinking about the friends you hang out with or even last Friday night. You see, all these things make up who you and me are. We're, we're, we're a composite of, of, of God's creation and life experiences. And if we continue to make the wrong choices in our life experiences because we don't bring them to God, because maybe God's not your father, we find ourselves repeating the same mistakes over and over and over again. No break in the chain. You'll find it going from the parents to the kids to the grandkids. Why is that? Is it a, is it a uh, generational curse? As a lot of times you'll see some books written in Christian bookstores over. Absolutely not. It's learned behavior. If you make decisions not based upon looking at what God says, looking upon reviews, doing all the, doing your homework, you're going to find yourself making the same mistakes over and over again. So that creates an issue, doesn't it? Where do you go for information? Well, I, I go to Ann Landers. Oh, I go to, uh, I go to my astrologist. I go, I go to my Ouija board, you know. I go to, you know, and you'll find all kinds of ideas where people get in their minds, some supernatural guidance. But the Bible declares that's all a lie. Isn't that amazing? Isaiah says, stand now with your procrastinators, your, your soothsayers, your divinators, all those people, and see if they'll save you from the day that's going to come upon you. It won't. You see, we need a daddy. You need a daddy. I need a daddy. We all need someone we can go to that's infinitely wisdom, full of wisdom, that can tell us what to do about tomorrow. Now, that's a problem. People say, well, no one knows what's going to happen tomorrow. I couldn't agree more. But I know the one who does, and that's God. That's why uh, 
one third of the Bible is prophecy, and two thirds of that one, uh, two thirds of that has already come true. There's a remaining third prophecy, I believe, primarily fulfilled in Daniel and the Book of Revelation and the things that Jesus said. Uh, different books in the Old Testament, Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Uh, of that remaining one-third of what's going to happen to the world. Why is that in there? Because no other religious book in the world puts that in there. Well, why is that? Because if they put it in there, it didn't come true. You know the book is false, so they just don't touch it. Can't touch that. Well, God does know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's why he puts it in there, so that not only can we trust in what's going to happen in the world, but we can trust him with your and my tomorrow as well and say, okay, God, I want you to work that out for your best so that it will further your kingdom. Now, that's a real issue, too. I want a father that gives me good wisdom. You know, you know, um, years ago in the early 60s, there was a TV show called Father Knows Best. Um, that was a good thing. Because whenever she had a problem, she'd go running to daddy. Daddy always had the right answer. Well, you need that same daddy, your heavenly daddy in heaven. But you see, the Bible says our sin has estranged us from him. We're separated from God. And so the Bible tells us that if we'll confess our sins, that means doing it our way. Now, again, we've already talked about the dangers of doing it our way. (laughs) We make the wrong decisions. So we go to God and we say, Lord, I'm sorry that I have allowed myself to make my own decisions. I've listened to others. I've, I've read things. I, I, I've even sought things in the occultic spiritual world. I'm sorry. And that's what the Bible says. We're sorry. You don't got to go there, there anymore. You don't have to go there anymore. The Bible says we pass from death unto life. Friends, remember, Christianity is not religion as currently defined in the world. True Christianity is a relationship where you recognize your father in heaven as your dad. Not only is he Lord, not only is he God, not only is he your savior, but he's also a father that you can go to. And that's why Paul says, whereby we cry, Father. That's the relationship God wants to have with you. It isn't rules and regulations. Oh, I worship on Tuesday. I worship on Saturday. I don't eat pork. I wear blue. I wear my undergarments. I glue plastic statues to the dashboard of my car. I don't. That is all junk in the sincerest form of the word. We never approach our Father in heaven with look what I did. We approach our Father in heaven because of what he did for us. That's what Jesus, when he died on the cross for us, took away our sins, and now I can be reconciled to a Father in heaven who longs, wants to talk to us. You know, people sometimes say, well, um, God didn't help me in that decision. I go, did you ask him? Well, no. Well, why would God help you then? In fact, if God is not your father, why would God listen to you at all? Kid comes up to you. Hey, hey, you, you, hey, you with the face. Buy me a bicycle. You go, who are you? What are you? I don't know who you are. You might run in front of a bus with it. Get out of here. 
But listen, if your own child came to you and said, Daddy, can I have a bicycle? Your father in love would look and say, well, you're old enough to not ride it in the street. You're old enough to uh, not fall down and, and crack your skull open. Um, yeah, I'll get you a bicycle. Why? What's the difference? One, there's a relationship. The other, there is no relationship. Many people are going around calling on God with no relationship. Hey, you, mister, I want this. They haven't surrendered their life to Christ. See, when we become born again, we change the way we look at life. We go from dualistic life. Well, you know, I'm heavenly with heaven. I'm hellish with hellish. Mm, I wonder which one I like best. I don't know, but kind of like that heavenly crowd on Sunday morning. But, you know, I got my worldly friends on Friday night. What's wrong with that? Well, you don't know which one of you you like best. And you're convoluting, you're mixing the, the things of God with the, with the advice of the world. You're never going to go anywhere with that. The Bible says, Jesus in the Beatitudes said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, pure in the Old English means undiluted. If you were to go to the store and get pure milk, that means it wasn't cut with water. Blessed are the pure in heart. Those that are looking one direction, you're going to see God. Why is that? Because you will see his advice applied to your life and the benefits thereof. You see, Jesus paid the penalty for our rebellion. That's why we have a great God who did something for you and me we could never do in ourselves. And so we lay to rest then when we come to Christ, God... I'm sorry for the way I've lived. Now, what does that mean? Trying to define life my way. Getting advice from my friends. What do you think I should do about this? What do you think I should do about this? Go to God now and say, God, from now on, what do you want me to do? And you know, God does a weird stuff when you pray. If you belong to him, he will open and close the doors. I use this illustration. I've always liked cars, messing around with cars. It was just something I did when I was in high school. I still do it today. And I remember there was this car sitting over by my friend's house, and I'd drive by it all the time, and it sat there for years. And one day I thought, well, I'll just go up and ask the guy if he wants to sell it. And so I stopped by, and I walked up, knocked on the door, and I said, um, I said do you want to sell that? And he goes, as a matter of fact, I do. And I said, and he told me the price, and I said, well, that sounds good, Um I'll go pray about it, and, and I'll get a hold of you. He goes, okay. So I, I got the money together, and I went over to his house. A couple of days later, I prayed, and I said, Lord, if you don't want me to have this, you know, uh, don't let me have it. And I was thinking, there ain't no way in the world that that's not going to happen. I mean, it's been there for two years. I went over there, and this guy, he goes, it's the funniest thing. A guy just bought it, and he picked it up yesterday. And I said, well, I just talked to you on Tuesday. It's Thursday. He goes, yeah, I sold it to him yesterday on Wednesday. And at first I was angry about that. And then I remembered I prayed and I said, you know, Lord, I ask you to stop me from buying that if that wasn't your will. And out of nowhere, a guy shows up after that car had sat there for years, gone. And I walked away thinking, thanks, Dad. You knew more about the motor in that car than I did. You knew more about the transmission in that car than I did. 
And the Bible says to be anxious for nothing. In other words, have your hope in him, not in what you want. Makes all the difference in the world. So letting God be the one that gives you advice. Not following the vice of the world as these two daughters of Lot did. Hey, let's get our dad drunk and let's have kids with our father. Well, let's continue to read on here. Some interesting writing as we look at this. And so they made their father drink wine that night. And the firstborn went and laid with her father. And he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. So he was really stoned. He was really out of it. And it happened on the next day that the firstborn said to the younger, Indeed, I will lay with father tonight, as you did last night. Let us also make him drunk with wine tonight also, and you may go and lie with him, that we may preserve our lineage of our father. And they made their father drink wine at night also, and the younger arose and laid with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. So, Incredible, horrible logic here. First of all, they made a decision based upon bad information. What was the bad information? Here's the bad information, verse 31. Let's review. Our father is old and there is no man on the earth to come into us as in the custom of all the earth. That's bad information. Again, they just left Zoar, so they knew other cities were still existent. Bad information. By the way, if you operate in bad information, you will make bad decisions. Be careful of the lyrics in the songs on the radio that you listen to. Some of the worst advice and to destroy your life, you will hear in the lyrics in heavy metal, rock and roll, country western, and enter ever whatever genre of music you want to have. Man, I'll tell you, never go by the words and the songs on the radio. Really bad stuff. Unless you're listening to Christian music, of course, that's good. But the point is, you hear bad things, you operate on bad things. So this is exactly what they did. Now you'll notice, thus both the daughters, verse 36, were with child by their father. And the firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab, and he's the father of the Moabites to this, to this day. They turned out to be wor- worshipers of Chemoth, uh, a, a false god. And the younger, she also bore a son and called his name Ben-Amin, and, which is the people of Ammon to this day. And they worship Moloch and the Baals. You see, it didn't come to any good. They were able to accomplish what they wanted, but it never amounted to anything. And this is one of the great things that we have to understand with God. We can spend our life spinning our wheels, going nowhere. And as the Bible says, you can gain the whole world and lose your own soul. Or you can be about your father's business and lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. Well, That's the decision we all have to make. Who are you going to live for? Who's your daddy? And you see, when you go to your heavenly father as his child, because you turned your life over to him, repented of the foolish ways that we lived, 
repented of the foolish decisions we've made based upon the information we've received from who knows what source. And we say, okay, God, whatever time I have left is yours. God says, now we can get something done. And that is why you're on earth. Why I'm on earth. The rest of everyone, pretty much spinning their wheels. Oh, you'll find great humanitarians, great citizens, great great uh, people in the community. But when they throw dirt in your face, it ain't going to matter. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last, as the old song goes. This morning, if you've never turned your life over to Christ, maybe you're tired of spinning your wheels. You're tired of making the same old mistakes over and over again. You thought, gosh, here I am again doing the same dumb thing. You need Jesus. You know, the Bible says he stands at the door of your heart and knocks and waits for you to respond. He waits for a person that's backslidden concerning God, and he waits for a person that's never received him as Savior. The Bible there says in Revelation chapter 3, if any man will open the door, he'll come in. Not just to the church, not just to a backslidden Christian, if anyone. Any man, it says. That's good news. Any person that wants to call in the name of the Lord will be saved. This morning, if you're tired of living the way you've lived, tired of making those mistakes, tired of operating off of what people say, this is what's hot, only to find out it's not, hey, it's time for a change in your life. And not just a temporary change, an eternal change. You see, the Bible says you pass from death unto life. Old things pass away, behold, all things become new. Isn't it time for some new in your life? Well, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, we're going to pray right now. And you can ask God to forgive you of all the things wrong you've done. And from this day forward, say, okay, God, I want you to open and close the the circumstances of my life so I'll know what you want me to do for you. And the Bible says he will. Jesus said, I will in no wise cast anyone away that comes to me. I pray that you'll come to him today. And if you're a Christian, you've found yourself believing a lie, walking the other way, come home to the Lord this morning. You see, there's still time to lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. It's never too late. Thief on the cross is a great example of that. You know how many people have come into the kingdom of God because of that thief on the cross? Credit's still being racked up to him because of that decision he made to say, remember me, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom. Well, there's still time for everyone listening to this today to live for him. So this morning, if you've never prayed and asked Jesus into your life, we're going to pray right now. And you can do that. Repent of your sins and say, God, you have to help me repent too because sometimes I kind of like sin and you're going to have to change the way I think about it. God will. He always does. And let him change you, and he will. We're going to pray right now, and you can ask Christ in your life. So let's pray together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and I invite you into my life this morning. I ask you to make me the best I can be for you, and I'm sorry for the foolish way that I've lived. And I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. So now fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. And may I live every day for you in Jesus' name. Amen.
You prayed that. Welcome to God's family. Begins with a prayer, but God shows you your whole life is goodness. Pray about everything. You say, but Mike, this is so small, I don't want to bother God. God is never borrowed, bothered. He's never bothered by the small things in our life. I yeah, Turn it all over to him. And uh, that's going to make a difference in your life. Now, if you prayed, you don't have a Bible, I'll give you one. You just contact the station here. We'll send you out a Bible. I got a really neat little book called Time to Grow. Yeah, I wrote this because I realized that there's things that you need to know about being a new Christian, and you can look the verses up in your Bible. And it's, it's a lot of the whatabouts. You know, what, what about church fellowship? What about being baptized? All those things. It's all there in that little book, and you can look at it. Baptism is not necessary for salvation, but I do believe it's necessary to be obedient to Christ. And so get baptized. Now, anybody that's been baptized as a Christian can baptize you. You want to be careful of getting into a bad church that doesn't teach the Bible or a cult. But if they're teaching the the Bible, God's Word, and you'll know that by that little book called Time to Grow because I hit on a lot of the bullet points that needs to be in wherever you go to church because it's the same things that are in the Bible. Uh, That'll help you. And so if you don't have a Bible, get you one. Uh, I'll send you a little book, and I got a couple of DVDs, Evolution versus God, as well as as God of Wonders, and I'll send those to you as well. Just contact us, um, and, and we'll be glad to send those out to you. Be in fellowship. If you're not in the Southern Idaho area, look for a church that upholds the name of Jesus and and uh, believes He's coming again real soon, and 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 teaches out of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. That's going to make a big difference in your life. Now for the rest. You that um, said, no, not for me today. I, I'm going to keep living my life. i, I got to keep making more mistakes. I want you to know I wanna, I'll, I'll be praying for you. Because, you know, first of all, when you're honest before God, I think God will honor that. And he said, I'm not ready yet, but don't wait too long. Because one of these days, Jesus is going to take his church out of this world. And when he does, we're gone and you're left behind. So it's never too late. You can do this. You can ask Christ in your life after the program is over and say, Lord, I, I, I have second thoughts. I do want you in my life. And God will, will accept you. That's the way God works. For the rest of you that are Christians, keep going. Let your light shine. So many people right now are looking for answers. There really isn't any. Our, 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 our country is 35 million people on unemployment. <clears throat> it's pretty sad. We're in a very, very tough time in our world, but a great opportunity for us to bring in a harvest for our king. So be about your father's business. Let your light shine. We win. The Bible says we do. And soon to be with him in the air and with him forever and ever. We look forward to that. So God's got great things for you. Commit all your ways unto him. Pray about everything. Give it all to him. If God closes the door, no, he's got a better one for you. And just trust him for his best in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for the time we've had together this morning. May you bless this week and may you give us wisdom and open doors for us. And again, God, thank you for your goodness and we look forward to you taking us all home real soon. In Jesus' name, amen. So until we're together again, may the Lord watch over us, keep us safe. God bless you. Have a great day and may the Lord keep you safe.